Welcome to the Axiom Principle. I'm your host, Dr. G. I wanted to bring a different conversation to you this time. I've been focusing a heck of a lot on uh, social justice, the movement around social justice, and basically the new ideology. Um, it's been a hot topic to many. That's one of the reasons I focused on it. Um, but this time around, I thought I'd give you something a little bit um, back to basics, if it were. It's still kind of associated, but at the same time, there's uh, there's a lot of bad ideas in this. So, um, the discussion tonight is about defending Islam, and it's been a subject of interesting debate over the last um, couple of years. But I thought I'd give you some history on where the term Islamophobia came from, uh, how it's used, what it actually means when you break it down, and uh, essentially how it's abused is probably the best thing to discuss. So let's start out with the term itself, Islamophobia. Now, this is actually not a clinical term. It's a made-up term, and it's a combination of two things. The phobia, which is an irrational fear, and Islam, which is a religion. So when you combine those two, what it should mean is an irrational fear of the religion of Islam. However, if you Google search this word, um, well, you won't find a dictionary definition. You'll find Google's dictionary definition, which actually looks like it cites directly from Wikipedia. So there's issues already to begin with with that definition. But the way Wikipedia defines it, Islamophobia is the intense dislike or fear of Islam, especially as a political force, hostility or prejudice towards Muslims. So that's, that's incorrect because a phobia is an irrational fear, not an intense or dislike or fear. You don't intensely or dislike, uh, intensely dislike or fear necessarily spiders, but you can have an irrational fear of spiders, which means even the most benign ones that won't hurt you, you're absolutely terrified of, and you'd climb up on the next closest stool to get away from. That is arachnophobia, for example. There's another phobias out there that uh, many people are fear. Uh, uh, know about um, agoraphobia, for example, germophobia, those type of things, where you have irrational fears of the things that don't necessarily harm you. Being ir irrationally afraid of crowds, for example, you don't want to go out in public or into crowds because you're deathly afraid of the crowd itself. Not necessarily that something's going to happen to you. But the fact that there is a crowd scares you, makes you uncomfortable, or you absolutely are just terrified of them. A phobia is always related to a fear. So this first definition is incorrect because it defines it as an intense dislike or a normal fear of Islam. Both of those things aren't exactly true. So we move to the next post uh, about this, and it's... The uh, the term itself is used when anybody dares to criticize Islam. If you continue on the reading in uh, Wikipedia, what you'll find 
is the uh, something that happens uh, when a Muslim does it. For example, a, a bombing, a suicide bombing, a mass shooting, um, anything where the perpetrator happens to be Muslim, often linked to Islam for some reason. And we'll get to that reason in, in later in the episode. But for now, just know that that's usually how it's associated. It's Islamophobic to immediately associate a Muslim that kills a bunch of people with Islam. And this is inherently incorrect as well, because it could be that they were motivated by that religion. So what I want to connect to next to is some people that use this term to uh, derail a conversation about the issues of Islam. One of the biggest people that do this throughout our Western civilization so far is the uh, organization called CARE, the Council of American Islamic Relations. If you look up at their mission and vision, um, they have a pretty benign mission and vision. So their vision is to be a leading advocate for just and mutual understanding. CARE's mission is to enhance understanding of Islam, encourage dialogue, protect civil liberties, empower American Muslims, and build coalitions that promote justice and mutual understanding. So their biggest piece in all of this is the justice and mutual understanding for Muslims. So here's the core principles. They have ten of them. And I'm just going to read through these and... Uh, have you decide whether or not there is something about this or not? So they support free enterprise, freedom of religion, and the freedom of expression. All right? Sounds like they align with the values of the Constitution. Committed to protecting civil rights of Americans regardless of faith. This is not true. And I'll get to, get to reason why that's not true in a little bit. They directly go against that, in fact. Supports the domestic policies that promote civil rights, diversity, and freedom of religion. Again, there's some issues with this statement, because if they were about that, they would not have a focus with Muslims or Islam. They oppose domestic policies that limit civil rights, permit racial, ethnic, or religious profiling, infringe on due process, or that prevent Muslims and others from participating fully in American civil life. Um, and this is where you might see some of the conflation start to kick in at this point. And I can go through, um, that's the first four, but there's um, there's some contradictions within their ten. And I'll skip to number seven. Believes that the active practice of Islam strengthens the social and religious fabric of the nation. Uh, yeah, Islam does not do that in a Western society. And we'll, we'll get to that when I start to talk about the doctrine of Islam. And they, number eight also says, condemn, uh, excuse me, condemns all acts of violence against civilians by individual group or state. This is absolutely not true as well. Now let me get to why I have issues with these people. In a article in National Review, there's a few others out there that is about the same. 
Uh, if you look up uh, mass murderers, basically, I'm going to cover two in particular and just read parts of this article so that you can see what I'm talking about. Why would Miss Tashfeen Malik, who was born in Pakistan, who lived most of her life in Saudi Arabia, want to come to the United States? The obvious hatred for the United States and its values at least enough to help stockpile an arsenal and kill 14 people and wound 21 others in San Bernardino. For that matter, why did her husband and co-mass murderer, Saeed Rizwan Farouk, lost my place. If he was unhappy with Native American and not returning to his parents, why would he might, in greater peace, have practiced Sharia law, memorized his Quranic verses, and not just return to Pakistan with his family? Instead, they shot up 14 people and killed 21 others. And what did Kerr have to say about this? Hussam Alush came in and said, let's not forget that some of our own foreign policy as Americans and the West has fueled this extremism, he said. We are partly responsible. Terrorism is a global problem, not a Muslim problem. I immediately pull up red flags when we're discussing this because if if it wasn't a Muslim problem, why is it 90% of the terrorist attacks, ironically against other Muslims most of the time, entirely done by Muslims. That seems to be a contradictory statement and also deflecting away from the real problem. So as we go back to the core principles, if he condemns all acts of violence against civilians by individual group or state, why would he then not condemn the act of violence of these two individuals instead deflected the issue to foreign policy? and blamed the West and our uh, our interactions with the other countries, mainly going in there and, and killing people in the name of democracy, supposedly. Why not uh, just call it what it is, instead of blaming the issues on the American people? Well... That's where care runs into issues because they've not done exactly what they claim to be, do in their mission and vision statements. Instead, they've pretty much done exactly the opposite. Most of the time, they come out and defend people who have no problem um, demanding death in the name of Islam. One of the things that you should uh, know is that a Muslim activist named Linda Sassur is also representative by CARE. So when you hear her speak and her go with the feminist movement, which is bizarre all on its own, when she goes and says, insane things directly against America, 
instead of trying to drive for unity, why is it she not condemned according to their own mission and vision? Could it be that their mission and vision is an absolute lie? I'm pretty sure. The actions speak louder than words, as, as we know the saying to go. So why then are we not surprised when she comes out recently and says this? And I hope that we, when we stand up to those who oppress our communities, that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad, that we are struggling against tyrants and rulers, not only abroad in the Middle East or in the other side of the world, but here in these United States of America where you have fascists and white supremacists and Islamophobes reigning in the White House. Now, I want you to notice something, because apparently fascists and Islamophobes and white supremacists reigning in the White House is exactly not what's going on. It's a smear campaign with pretty much no evidence to go behind it, and it seems to be almost liberal in there, but she spun something else in there, Islamophobes. Um, the reason why she brought this up in this particular speech is because she was addressing the what was called then the Muslim ban instead of a travel ban, where she felt that primarily Muslim countries that were being banned to come in the United States was bigoted. Well, this may not necessarily be the case because we had a lot of these people coming into the country and then shooting up people, people from Pakistan, people from Saudi Arabia, from Afghanistan, and so on and so forth. I can understand why they'd be pissed off at the American people, but I think there's a deeper ideological and social cultural reason why they would do that. So it's not surprising to me that she would come out and say things like this, representing care exactly going against what her core values according to the mission is. And that's, you know, freedom of religion and freedom of expression. I'm sure it applies to them and they're, they're, happily uh, condoning anybody that speaks out against them but don't shut them up because it's not fair, right? They don't want to be silenced is really where they where they care about freedom of expression. They They have no problem silencing detractors and have done so repeatedly. But in the In the uh, documentation, just to give you an idea, when it when um, Linda was slammed for calling for jihad as a internal struggle, as they would like to interpret it, um, they created a hashtag for her calling "I stand with Isla, I stand with Linda." When they created this hand hashtag, they wanted it to be a pushback against the smear campaign char- targeting Linda Salser. Um Too bad. I mean, the thing she said was directly against American core values, which means America comes first, Islam would be second. In case they missed the um, First Amendment, that we will not make any laws establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, we don't need to necessarily let people that are not American citizens come into this country. We're a nationalist country still. We don't have open borders. We don't have um, free 
immigration into this country. We have laws against people jumping into this country illegally, which is why it's, you know, it's a law, so that's why it's illegal. So to claim that all this was Islamophobia is a real stretch because what they've done in this case is conflate Islam with Muslims. I think this is expressed a little bit better by Sam Harris, who was on the Bill Mayer show not too long ago. I think it was last year, actually. And he was sitting with Ben Anflecht, and they were discussing Islam because it came up. Um, both uh, Bill Mayer and Sam Harris are sh- strong opponents of Islam, the ideology, not the people. Just make sure that 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 line is there because apparently people don't believe in that line. I can I think I understand why people do 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 get that together, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But let's first go over what Sam Harris said, and I think it was best said in in his show. So I'm gonna play a little clip with uh, him talking about that particular thing. We have been sold this meme of Islamophobia where every criticism of the doctrine of Islam gets conflated with bigotry toward Muslims as people. Right. And that is uh, it's, it's intellectually ridiculous. They even, it gets so, as you hear there, it's, it's a completion. Islamophobia is the term used to conflate criticism of the doctrine with criticism of the individual, the people. These connections are what makes it difficult for anybody to have a serious conversation about the issues of Islam. Now, uh, Sam Harris has probably read the Quran a, a dozen times. He's, he's talked with many um, Muslims. He's had people on his show um, that are being hunted by different countries at this point in time that even in the UK would be killed for speaking out against Islam, because there is a very specific doctrine where if Sharia law is in place, if they are in control of the country, anybody that speaks out against Islam and deconverts, as it were, their punishment is death. So you can leave the religion, but only if you die. This issue alone uh, demonstrates the major issues of Islam and using the term Islamophobia as a cover to say that we have a rational fear of Islam. But let's, I'm not even talking about the terrorist attacks yet. I haven't even discussed any of those. Um, if you look at the way the UK is right now, the England, the groups that they have in their country right now have formed gangs. They've already dismantled two rape cults that they had that were all Muslim-driven, and two of the leaders were imams. They were basically the, the, the religious leaders of Islam in that country. So to claim it's Islamophobic to say maybe these people should stop raping people is ridiculous because that's exactly what they preach. That's not a problem. The, the people that are non-believers are less than human, so you can do whatever you want. 
But to continue on, in the conversation that Sam Harris had in the Bill Maher show, Ben Affleck was there, and he is a classic demonstration of how people immediately jump from criticisms of Islam to criticisms of Muslims. They make a clear connection, and it's a backwards connection. So let me play you this. But why are you so hostile about this It's gross. It's racist. So you see what he did right there. It's gross. It's racist right off the bat. So he conflated one issue with the other, criticizing the ideals, the, the religion, the beliefs, with criticizing the the religion or with criticizing people. Why is she leaving? So when you connect those two and you listen to what he just said, he immediately jumped from criticism of the ideal to criticism of the people. It's it's gross, it's racist, as he said. You could only do that if you have a level of cognitive dissonance where you believe criticizing a religion is equal to criticizing the people that believe in the religion. He goes on again in, in this uh, video and discusses the whole thing like two or three times where he conflates the two, essentially. And to skip forward, he actually really just uh, uncovered exactly what I'm trying to talk about here, where you could try to conflate criticism of an ideal with criticism of people and have major issues with it. So this is a major demonstration of cognitive dissonance when it comes to criticizing ideals. And this is the last clip I got for this, and, and here you go. Ben, we have to be able to criticize bad ideas. And of course we Islam, do. No liberal doesn't okay, want to okay. criticize bad ideas. But Islam but why when, is the mother load of bad ideas. So he agreed, of course we have to criticize bad ideas, but then why criticize Islam and all these Muslims? Islam is the mother load of bad ideas. Now, before we can say that it's Islamophobic, an irrational fear of Islam, we need to look at nothing other than the Quran. Don't care what the Muslims do, what jihadis do, uh, Wahhabi Muslims or Sunni Muslims. Don't care what any of those do. Let's look at the doctrine itself to determine if it's an irrational fear to not like this particular religion. Now, that's one of the major parts that most people don't do. If they are opposed to another religion because you're a part of your own, for example, if you're a Christian and you don't like Islam because it's spawn of Satan or something, and this is what you've been told by, say, your pastor, then you have an irrational fear at that point because you know nothing about it. But it might be justified as well if you've seen the actions of Muslims and say, that's not right. How could somebody go from peaceful to blow themselves up and kill everybody inside the same religion? Because you don't see that kind of behavior from Christians. They went through a reformation of their faith about 200 years ago, excuse me, about 200 years ago, 
And that Reformation made it so they stopped killing people. Uh, 1824 was the last time they killed somebody. It was uh, Sayano Ripal. And he was a teacher who dared to speak about... Um, well, he was not Christian anymore. He was a deist. And it was the same uh, philosophy that uh, Spinoza put forth about the attributes of God and making God immortal, uh, going all-seeing, that kind of thing, and trying to go with the philosophy that the doctrine of all faiths is wrong, but God still exists because he is everything or something like that. And essentially, you're worshiping the universe. But to go into the doctrine specifically is what we have to do to understand if we have an irrational fear or if it's justified. So in the Quran itself, the way it's split up, basically it's um, chapter verse, kind of like the Bible is, where you have book chapter verse, they have um, just chapter verse. It's all kind of the blended together, as it were. It's, it's much much more simplistic, but it's kind of formed in the same way as uh, the books in the Bible are. Um, now, to quote Sam Harris once again on this particular subject, uh, the Quran on virtually every page is a manifesto for religious intolerance. And why he says that is it's not re- intolerant of other religions necessarily, is intolerant of all religions that are not Islam. Let's demonstrate. I'm going to read you about... Uh, let's go through about 20 quotes or so. Now, I have a list here of 537 quotes from the, from the Book of Islam, the, the Quran that get to the heart of the problem of why this religion either needs a reform or just needs to be realized as the worst idea ever that humans have ever come up with. So number one, show us the straight path, the path of those who thou hast favored, not the path of those who earn divine anger, nor of those who go astray. So, basically, Muslims are the ones that are favored, and everybody else is pissed off God. That's verse 6 and 7, like right off the bat. We haven't even gotten through chapter 1 yet. Most of these are going to be in chapter 2, which makes it very interesting. Don't bother warning the disbelievers. Allah has made them impossible for them. Allah has made it impossible for them to believe that they that he can torture them forever after they die. Oh, I read that wrong. Allah has made it impossible for them to believe so that he can torture them forever after they die. So in other words, us atheists were made by Allah to believe that he doesn't exist on purpose so that he can torture us after um, we die. Yeah, I, I see a big issue with that. Um, if he's supposed to be the god of love and peace and he's just a great person and he creates people just so he can torture them, uh, you can kiss my ass. Going on. Allah has sickened the heart of disbelievers and increased their disease. 
He is a spiritual anti-doctor. Keep going. That was uh, 2-10. Allah has blinded the disbelievers. Allah taketh away the light and leaveth them in darkness where they cannot see, deaf, dumb, and blind. Sweet. So we can't see anything. If you try to compose a surah that is better than those in the Quran and then fail, Allah will burn you forever if you have in the fire that he has prepared for disbelievers whose fuel is men and stones. So if you try to reform Islam and this new surah fails, clearly it wasn't spawned from Allah, so you're going to burn in hell forever. Way to go. Thus, the issue with trying to reform this religion. Continuing on. They who believe and deny our revelations such are rightful people of fire. They will abide therein. Keeping going. Allah has stamped the righteousness upon the Jews because they killed the prophets and disbelieve Allah's revelations. Yeah, so... If you had any issues with anti-Semitism before, that was chapter 2, verse 61. So right off the bat, we're talking about anti-Semitism within the second chapter of the book. Continuing on, Allah has turned sound-breaking Jews into apes to be despised and hated. All modern Jews are descendants of apes. Or all modern apes are descendants of the Sabbath-breaking Jews. 65 and 66. Well, genetics has proven that we're all descendants from apes. The very old, six-million-year-old ape. And uh, that would make them Jews, would it not? According to them. But... Little did you know that they actually deny evolution. So they clearly can't be apes, but everyone else is, and they should be hated because they are despised, like apes. Christians and Jews who believe only part of the scripture will suffer in this life and go to hell in the next, 285. Allah has cursed them for their unbelief, 288. That's amazing. Basically, we are cursed for unbelieving, but he made us to not believe. So it contradicts something just before. The curse of Allah is on non-believers. That's another... That's the next one, 288 and 289. They have incurred their anger upon anger, for disbelievers are shameful doom. And let's skip ahead just a bit. Number 14 um, fourteen on my list here. Allah is an enemy to the disbelievers. Allah has revealed clear tokens. Only Eve people, evil people are disbelievers. So they cannot be evil because they believe. Everybody else is evil. So they have no problem killing evil. But I want to get to my favorite one. I'm going to skip ahead to chapter 8. Because this, uh, you know, in in my list here, the, the particular one that I think 
puts the nail in the coffin for why I should not care about Islamophobia and why I think it's not an irrational fear is this very reference. Of course, you can say I'm taking it in or out of context, but this is a religious book. So when you take the religious book and you compare it to the uh, actions of the people, there is a definite uh, correlation between their violence and what's in their book. So I'm waiting for this to pull up. It's taking its sweet time for some reason. There we go. All right. So what it says is, when thy Lord inspired the angels, saying, I am with you, so make those who believe stand firm. I will throw fear into the hearts of those who disbelieve, then smite the necks and smite of them each finger. This is a command from God to cut off those who do not believe, cut off their heads, and cut off their fingers. And keep in mind, in this list, that's 189 out of 537 passages, which pretty much say everybody that doesn't believe is a piece of shit. Just to skip on, um, let's grab another one out of the randomness. Um, Here we go. Chapter 60. Verse 1. Open this guy up. Ye, O ye who believe, choose not enemy and enemy for allies. Do not give them friendship when they disbelieve in that truth which hath come upon you, or come unto you. Drive out the messenger and you, because ye believe in Allah, your Lord. If ye have come strive in my way and seek the good pleasure, show them not friendship. Do ye shew friendship unto them in secret? When I am best aware of what ye hide and what ye proclaim, and whoever doth among you, he hath strayed from the right way. Yea. Next verse. If they have the upper hand of you, they will be your foes, and they will stretch out their hands and tongues toward you with evil intent, and they long for you to disbelieve. Now, here's something interesting I want you to take a good look at. This is 61 and 2. If you take both of these verses and combine them with those that speak out against Islam, those that are Muslims, We'll take these two verses and immediately assume that you are their enemy because you should not be friends with those that don't believe. So don't be friends with uh, with atheists. Don't be friends with anybody that's uh, Christian or otherwise either. They are enemies to you. That's a pretty strong term to be using if you're a religion of peace, that anybody that doesn't believe is that I'm automatically an enemy of you and your God because he told you that he, you're his enemy. So there is uh, over a billion Muslims in the world today. So why is it that only about 10 to 20% of them, which is still 
a lot of people. We're talking about 10 million people that want people that actively go out to kill people. Why is it that this religion uh, religion spawns hatred? Well, they immediately assume anybody that doesn't believe is hostile. Anybody that criticizes the religion is hostile. Anybody that believes something different than what they believe is hostile. That is what they have taught themselves in this religion. So is it an irrational fear? If you take all the passages and go through them one by one to realize that they pretty much hate everybody that isn't Muslim. We haven't even gotten to the acts they do against gays and other uh, minority people. Anybody that's not Muslim to them is pretty much an enemy, but they do some horrific things to those that are Muslim and happen to be gay, like throw them off a roof, as it is commanded to do. So I ask, is it irrational to criticize and dislike this religion? I would argue, no, it's not irrational to be against a religion that has clear guidelines to not like and to hate anybody that doesn't believe. In fact, treat them as an enemy. Now, to get to the last little point here that I was trying to make, that the irrational fear is not irrational at all when their doctrine tells them to that either their God is going to punish us or they have to punish us. So it, it's completely rational to be unkind or not like or even hate this religion. But that doesn't necessarily mean you should hate the Muslims because they do exactly what the Christians do in most cases. And what that is is they cherry pick their religion to find the good pieces that they like and ignore the rest. The rational person will take the entire book for uh, its face value, good and bad, and then determine if it's worth believing in or not, especially with the boisterous claims of the uh, Allah ride a winged horse in the sky. A winged horse doesn't exist. But if we take anything around that area of claiming that this is Islamophobic to criticize this, and then try to convert it into hating Muslims, that that is a pretty big leap. It's okay to criticize Islam and its beliefs. It's not necessarily okay to criticize uh, to hate Muslims because they could be doing, as I said, the same thing that every other religious person does. They cherry pick their Bible, as the atheist is often said. We know many Christians cherry pick their Bible, or they turn verses into metaphors so that they can rationalize their belief to make it more socially acceptable. For example, there's a lot of verses in the Bible are against gays. In fact, one of the verses calls gays an abomination, something to be hated, literally hated. But what happens 
in the Christian world, at least with moderate Christians today, um, you have the uh, Christians cherry-pick it, ignore that. Either they ignore it or say it was just a metaphor or that God hates them. Which is, to get a sidebar here, just something I'm going to throw out there. Whenever you see somebody that was on the side of the uh, for gay marriage, the the court decision that happened a couple of years back, um, I saw a few people that say, that's cool, I'm happy for them, just know that God judges them um, in the end anyways. That is a horrible thing to say when you think about it, because God hates gays. It says so in the Bible. That's why the, Bab- the Westboro Baptist Church protests gays all over the place. They got weird-ass green and red um, blaze that are pretty much homophobic, which is an actual thing, an uh, irrational fear of a gay person. Like a gay person's ever going to do anything to you anyways. But the y- you see them protesting out there and carrying their flags and carrying their 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 signs against gays. And that's probably the worst you'll ever see. Why? Because they've learned... And they have an out. And what they have learned is they can cherry pick most of their Bible and be okay with it. And they have an out because their Jesus have taught them to not to do half the things that are in the Old Testament. If they did, then we'd have um, Christians and Islam ruining the entire world. But Muslims don't have that. Basically, if they make a shura, if any any of the imams try to reform Islam. They'd have to all get together to mutually agree that uh, they need to revive this to make it align with Western values. That's not going to happen anytime soon. What they want instead is to dominate the world. Once everybody is Muslim, Islam will be the religion of peace because everybody will be Muslim. There will be no one to outgroup and kill. More than likely, they'll be exactly like the Nazis and try to gas every Jew on the planet because apparently Jews are the most evil, vile people on the planet. But also, too, we would sacrifice things like our technical advances, our learnings, our mathematical advances, everything that we've learned past what Islam is now would would be gone. In the end... Um, Islam would leave us back in the 12th century or so. It would be a backwards way of life. Because Western civilization is one of tolerance and acceptance. We've worked very hard to make it so that everybody's on equal footing. Islam would take that all away, including women's rights. Which brings me to my uh, point that I was trying to make earlier that I, I wanted to cover later which is the weird bonding between feminism and Islam is something that I don't quite understand. And if anybody wants to try and explain it to me, that'd be great. To the best of my knowledge, the intersect between Islam and, or the intersectional feminism, as it were, what looks at other minorities, assumes that Islam is a minority. And this may be true in countries like the United States, 
where Islam is a very small part of the population as far as the religion is concerned, those that actually declare that they are practicing Muslims. Or, yeah, practicing Muslims. But then they defend these people when Islam is not uh, what the feminists would probably want. When you saw those posters with the United States flag in the form of a hijab on some lady, and they were holding them at the Women's March, I immediately became suspect that none of them have actually ever read the Quran. They are acting in ignorance. And I think all feminists that actually defend Islam are probably acting in, acting in ignorance as well. It, they need to read the Quran. I think everyone should. I think everyone on this planet should at least read the Quran once, along with the Bible and every other religious book. It doesn't take that long. Take you a month or so. You don't have to read it and believe. Just read it. Because what you'll find, uh, even with your own biases, um, that could be implanted there too. If you read it with an open mind, you'd come out with the same conclusion, I would assume. And that is, um, the, the passages therein have three things. They have a constant praising of the Prophet Muhammad. They have the praising of, of the Prophet, and the only way to know Allah is through the Prophet. So all attention back to the Prophet yet again. The feminist collection would claim that feminism or um, Muhammad was the first feminist because the first converted person to Islam was his wife. And of course she would be. She's married to the Prophet and he was spinning a bunch of bullshit. And even then he was probably a pretty scary guy, a narcissist, no less. And it's pretty evident, and it's pretty obvious if you read the Quran that he was a narcissist. Very classic narcissist, in fact. All you have to do is read the Quran to see that everything had to be attention back to him, and anybody that disagrees needs to die, or get maimed, or be thrown from a roof, what have you, or severely taxed if he wanted to be lenient to them. So, I don't quite understand why Western philosophy, which is the feminist movement, the um, social justice advocates, postmodernism and the like, would defend this religion. I don't understand why atheists would defend this religion, but have no problem criticizing any others. I once heard it said that the only thing that they have no problems criticizing, in fact, I think it was Sam Harris that said this as well, is the white religion. So they have no problem attacking Christianity, for example, because, well, it's a predominantly white religion, where Islam is predominantly Middle Eastern, because that's where it originated. And it's, I mean, the perfect word is written in Arabic, for example, so obviously it's going to be that way. So... When it comes down to it, what we have here is a irrational fear, or at least a claim of irrationality and fear of a religion that no one dares criticize. This is not true. It's a very bad idea to 
pretend that you can't criticize a religion. To give you another th- another idea, there's a this is the last thing I'll leave you with for today. And um, when I put this up on YouTube, I should have all these links available for you in the description. Um, in the uh, blogtalkradio.com site, I'll be putting these links into the description of the episode so that um, everybody can look for it themselves. But they, there's a website called Islamophobia.org that basically trumpets anything that CARE says. And what you'll see is in its data of anti-Muslim bias incidents for the second quarter of 2017, the Council of American Islamic Relations has documented that a number of hate crimes in the first half of 2017 has spiked 91% as compared to 2016. From January to June of 2016, it was 70 hate crimes, and the number has risen to 134 this year. Hate crimes are criminal offenses that a pers- against a person's property and incidents can be charged such under such relevant state and federal statute. This is what I find entertaining. Hate crime is uh, is a very particular type of crime. If you're to look at the definition. Racial, sexual, or other prejudice typically involving violence. If we go to the FBI, hate crimes are the highest priority of the FBI's civil rights program, not only because of the de- devastating impact on families but, and communities, but also because groups that preach hatred and intolerance can plant the seed of terrorism here in our country. And how they how they define hate crime? A hate crime is a traditional offense like murder, arson, vandalism with an added element of bias. For the purposes of collecting statistics, the FBI has defined a hate crime as a criminal offense against a person or property motivated in whole or in by part by the offender's bias against a race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, ethnic ethnicity, gender, or gender identity. Hate itself is not a crime, and the FBI is mindful of protecting freedom of speech and other civil liberties. So, I want it to be abundantly clear that the way that FBI defines hate crime is not the same way that they define hate crime at CARE or Islamophobia.org. Include hate crime to be... Uh, is offenses against a person or property. Just offense. So if you're offended, that's a hate crime. But that's not what a hate crime is, according to the FBI. Criticism of the religion of Islam is not a hate crime. Although people are inflating it to be because they've redefined it according to their own biases instead of what the law says. Now, I do agree with the hate crime provisions, but I think it should be even-handed. If you have a clear bias against white people and you decide to, uh, I don't know, grab a mentally disabled white person and torture him for two days, that should be a clear hate crime. And they should be charged as such. Because it's motivated by uh, the offender's bias. 
That is the definition of what a hate crime is. But let's get back to the, the core of this issue. The term Islamophobia. So I have a few minutes left, and I just wanted to hammer this one home, if I will, or if I may. The irrational fear of an ideology may be justified, thus making it not irrational, if that religion acts or speaks in a way to much raises alarms or has you afraid of that religion. To make it clearer, when you have a concert at Ariana Grande and an Islamic kid who has been radicalized by an imam that lives in London and goes and blows up a couple pipe bombs at the concert doors right after the concert's over and kills a bunch of kids. I don't find it irrational to fear the religion. What I do find it irrational is to run away and hide from that religion. What I do find also irrational is to not speak out against such heinous acts done in the name of Islam. Clear that Islam has a very serious problem. In their own book, they demand the death of atheists. They demand the death of gays. Women should be protected, as it were, and by protecting them, they mean to wrap them up in the hijab or kinab or whatever else. So their uh, vaginas shut, cut off the lips so they don't feel pleasure. The, uh, the issues that they have cannot be addressed because in their own doctrine it says you cannot address them. It is the perfect word. If you try to create a shura, surah, excuse me, and it's not perfect like it is in the Quran, then it's invalid. And you're now a target because you tried to do something that's against Allah. I don't see a reform happening in the in the near future for Islam. So it has two choices, really. They can really try to reform, which is not seeming likely, or this religion just simply has to disappear. Not necessarily the Muslims. They can convert out of it. But this BS needs to stop. Thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, You can catch me every two weeks on a Friday. I host my own podcast. Next week should be pretty interesting as well. I hope to have a special guest on for that one. I had planned on having a Muslim discuss these issues with me, but he was unable to attend because of... um, He's he's in a rather precarious situation. So I thank you again for your time. And uh, thank you for listening to The Action Principle.